Our sermon this week comes from Ruth chapter 4. Every week we go to the scriptures because it's there that we see the person and work of Jesus most clearly revealed. I'll be reading from Ruth 4, verses 1 through 22. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and to Malon. Also, Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Amenadab. Amenadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dodds. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn Heights. Very good to be with you all this morning. 
Today we are concluding our sermon series in the book of Ruth, which is a book in the Old Testament that emerges from Scripture as a proclamation of the gospel. It is a story about a bride and her redeemer, and about the bride and the redeemer. And I I do hope this series will encourage many of us and our parishes to revisit this incredible book to study it. It is a diamond mine and deserves our rapt attention. Over the last three weeks, we have considered the need for a redeemer in chapter one, the search for a redeemer in chapter two, promise of a redeemer in chapter three, and today the fulfillment of the redeemer in chapter four. I want us to remember that the entire book of Ruth has taken place during a chaotic and rebellious period of Israel's history. As the book of Judges concludes, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. So the book of Ruth provides a key to Israel's kingship dilemma. God will provide a king for the people. He will provide a king after his own heart, a lion of the tribe of Judah who will lead the people in righteousness. David will be that king. And as Paul preached last week, chapter three has ended with somewhat of a cliffhanger. Ruth has made it clear that she desires to be redeemed and Boaz has promised to see to that redemption, but we still don't know how it's going to work out. Boaz gave Ruth six measures of barley Truly, we are, we're waiting on a seventh measure to be given so that Sabbath rest might finally come to Naomi and Ruth. At this point, we know that one part of the story will be resolved. Ruth will be married. And as readers, we're ready, we're waiting with bated breath for Ruth and Boaz to get married, but there is a nearer kinsman who will get the right of first refusal before that can happen. So will the nearer kinsman marry Ruth or will he allow Boaz to do it for him? The final chapter begins at a very important place, at the gates, the entrance and exit point of the city, but it's also the place where elders gathered to pass judgments. So Boaz gathers 10 men and the nearer kinsman, which according to Jewish tradition formed an official court. So it is, it is these men who will oversee what happens to Ruth and Naomi. And Boaz explains the situation. Naomi has had to sell Elimelech's share of the land. We have not heard about this until now, and we could speculate as to why this happened, but I, I think it's, for, it's, for us, it's important for us to just see that it's an essential component of Naomi's care that this be addressed. Israelites were given plots of land that they were not supposed to sell. For an Israelite, the land was the largest part of their inheritance, and according to the book of Joshua, to be in the land was to enter God's rest. And as we've seen for most of this story, unrest has plagued Naomi and Ruth. So the close kinsman says he will redeem the land. And maybe we gasp a little bit. We're wondering if something is going to go differently. But by doing this, by redeeming the land, he can increase the wealth of his family without fear of losing that land to Naomi's offspring. Because remember, she will not be able to produce an heir. So for the kinsman redeemer, it's a high reward at a very, very low cost. 
But Boaz tells him, here's the catch. If you buy the land, Ruth the widow, the Gentile, she comes with it. And if he does that, he'll need to marry Ruth and raise up offspring for Elimelech. And at that reframing, the redeeming the land for the kinsman redeemer becomes too great an economic liability. I can't do it, he says. It'll hurt my inheritance. So the near kinsman gives up his right of redemption to Boaz, and to ratify this transaction, he takes off his sandal and gives it to Boaz. Now, at first, it, it might seem like an obscure act, but it's incredibly symbolic, He's saying, put on my shoes and walk out what I cannot. Boaz will stand in the place of the kinsman and fulfill his obligation to the land and to these women. The nearer kinsman is like Adam in the garden, unwilling to redeem. So he hands his shoes to the one who is like a faithful Adam who is able to redeem. And by doing this, Boaz is redeeming Judah's line so that the dead will not be cut off from among their brothers and from the gate of his native place, as he says in verse 10. He has bought and redeemed what belonged to dead men and is seeing to the resurrection of a dead family line with a Gentile wife. This is incredible. In taking possession of the land, he takes Ruth as his wife in leveret marriage. He takes over the marriage of another and helps produce an heir to the family, one who will inherit the land and one who will carry on the family name. And the elders, in response, they affirm Boaz's actions. In the sight of the city and its rulers, he has been faithful to the law, and he has dealt generously and and honorably towards those in need. He's taken on a cost that no one else can. And in response, the people and elders bless him with a threefold benediction. Verse 11, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. These blessings are astounding. They connect Ruth, a Gentile, with the matriarchs of Israel. By providing an heir, she will help rebuild the crumbling house of Judah and Israel. Boaz becomes famous in Bethlehem and in all of Israel. Even one of the great pillars of Solomon's temple bears his name. He became a member of the Messianic line and is recorded in the New Testament genealogies of Jesus Christ. And for the elders to ask for his house to be like a house of Perez, it links again the entire story with Judah and Tamar. And just so we know, Perez's house was so fruitful and large. It was the biggest amongst his siblings. It's an expansive household in seed form that points and shadows to the fullness and growth of the kingdom of God. A large house 
where many are welcome. So Boaz and Ruth are married. She has been redeemed by her kinsman redeemer. And not only that, their union produces a son. Ruth conceives. And yet, it's not Boaz who causes her to conceive. It is the Lord who opens the womb. Conception is always due to the Lord's action. And like all the other matriarchs in the book of Genesis who are barren until God intervened and opened their wombs, so it is with Ruth. The Lord acts through Boaz the way he acted through Abraham. And he does for Ruth what he did for Sarah. And as their son is born, it brings a blessing from the women of the city to Naomi. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. This blessing contains messianic language. The women are not talking about Boaz, but Obed, whose name means servant. Obed is Naomi's servant redeemer. He will be the one to care for Ruth and Naomi in their old age. He is the replacement for the sons that Naomi lost when she first left the land. And when she takes Obed into her lap, it's a picture of adoption. And his name is not just going to be preserved, but exalted. Perhaps it does make us wonder, though, who the real redeemer is in this story. Is it Boaz or is it Obed? It's both. Each in their own way are a picture and foreshadowing of Jesus. Jesus is so multifaceted and so full that one person is not enough to symbolize him. He is the seed of the woman, the offspring, the child of the promise, but he is also the law-abiding husband who marries and redeems a widowed people at an infinite cost to himself. And I want us to, I want us to catch something particular in here. The women of the city praise the Lord primarily. Blessed be the Lord. God gets credit for all the restoration that has happened. And if we look back at where Naomi and Ruth began, we can see some incredible reversals. He's brought Naomi from a place of emptiness to a place of fullness. Ruth, the Gentile widow without a home, has become Ruth, the bride, the builder of homes. The promised land that was lost in chapter 1 has been restored in chapter 4. Rest has come again. Naomi blamed the Lord for her situation in chapter 1, but now God receives glory for her restoration. She was a widow, but now she has one who will protect and provide for her. She was childless, but now has a son and a daughter-in-law who is better than seven sons. 
She was in danger of starvation, but now she enjoys the abundance and prosperity of Boaz's house. Just like Drew said when he opened the series, these women were in need of food, a home, and a future. The Lord, by his sheer mercy, intervenes in this world of death, emptiness, chaos, and sorrow, and through Obed and Boaz, brings life, fullness, peace, and joy. He has provided the seventh measure, a Sabbath rest. It's interesting to me, and maybe you've seen it too, but that God's action is not spoken of explicitly in this book, save one place. He opens Ruth's womb. Our God is a God who brings new life out of death. The gospel is a message of the greatest reversal that the cosmos has ever known. The good news that through Christ's death, his life, death, and resurrection, God has brought life out of death, acquittal out of guilt, righteousness out of unrighteousness the life and future that Boaz and Obed will give Naomi and Ruth is a shadow of Jesus who gives his church resurrection life and a secure future. The one who came not to be served has become an Obed to all of us. Ruth ends with a genealogy and I, I do know that we're tempted to read it as more of an appendix to the narrative, but it's the climax. Judges ends with people in need of a king. The book of Ruth ends with the name of David who will be king. Interestingly enough, Judges is the seventh book of the canon. Ruth is the eighth. Naomi and Ruth's story is one of new creation. And while the narrator ended the book of Ruth with a genealogy, the gospel of Matthew will begin with one. But this time the genealogy will not end with David. It goes all the way to the great king, Jesus. The redeemers that Naomi and Ruth needed, that Israel needed, are put forth in Ruth. Boaz, Obed, and David. A husband, a son, and a king. And in Jesus, the world gets all three. In these 80 verses, isn't that incredible? This book has been 80 verses long only. But in these 80 verses, we get to see the small story and the large story. And most of us, most of our lives, we don't get to see the bigger picture. But it, but it turns out that the small decisions of forgettable humans in a barren land and a barley field on a threshing floor and at a city gate are the events through which God would bring Israel's messianic king, Jesus, through whom you and I are reconciled and redeemed to the Father. He is still at work in the small details and relationships and acts of faithfulness of our lives today. Our small stories are still being woven into the bigger story of redemption. In chapter three, Naomi says to Ruth, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out for the man will not rest but will settle the matter. 
The, the book of Ruth provides similar counsel to us, brothers and sisters. Wait upon the Lord. Watch expectantly for his salvation. In the most difficult, intense situations where outcomes and futures are unclear, we can rest because God will see to it through Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. God not only gives us his word that he will do so, just like Boaz gave Ruth his word, but he also provides us with a sign the way Boaz gave Ruth a sign in the barley. We have the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. These are God's visible and tangible pledges to us that he will see us through it all and will settle the matter of our redemption. He will feed us. He will cover us. He will take charge of us. God also shows us in this story that he redeems tragedy. When things are taken from us, perhaps the most valuable things, children, spouses, friends, families, homes, safety, futures, God's promise is that he will bring redemption. He's taking insiders who feel abandoned and outsiders who want to belong, and he's bringing them together into one house and one family. And as members of the living kinsman redeemer, we too have been given shoes to walk out lives of costly service. God shows us covenant faithfulness in the way that he fulfills his covenant and we in turn walk in faithfulness to him and one another. As we help others in need, both inside and outside the body, we embody the essence of being faithful to the covenant. When we help others, when we make sacrifices so that others can draw near to God, when we step out into the world to offer ourselves as living sacrifices and provide for others, we manifest the covenantal, redeeming love of God to one another. Jesus has provided us with food, a home, a future. We can and should share these with others and so sojourn, however the Lord has brought comfort, provision to you in tragedy, consider it an inheritance to share. Others are redeemed through such generosity. Ruth shows the world just what it needs. We are lost without a king. Our world is lost without a king. Our Western world is agonizing and fighting right now over who will be king. And yet there is rest for us all because there is a king, a kinsman redeemer who can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus will provide for us. He will provide for you. He will care for us. He will care for you. The world needs King Jesus. Let's herald and rest in that reality together. Pray with me.
Our Father, thank you for this book. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a God who promises to stay with us and care for us and provide for us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our kinsman redeemer, the one who took all the cost of our redemption upon yourself. Lord, teach us and equip us to wait for you and trust you. Teach us to take heart as we take the bread and cup, knowing that you will see to our need. Show us how to rest in a world where nations toil and spin, where turmoil and uncertainty provoke all kinds of evil. Fashion us to be the house, the large house of Perez, where outsiders and strangers are welcome. Make us to be people eager to incur costs for others, as Jesus was joyfully willing to do so on our behalf and still does. Holy Spirit, move in power among us to do the will of the Father. What a wonderful God you are. How grateful we are to be living in your house, a land that can never be sold or taken away. Help us, we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.